Essentials for creating a writing space that works for you to foster your creativity. Yeah, I thought that would be a fun, chill one. Do you like that? that. Okay. Yes. I mean, thought you'd like that. I like all the things. You like everything I say? Yes. Ha! Yay! (laughs) Okay, well then. (laughs) If you're mean to me, then I'm not mean to you. You're mean to you. I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) Don't say that again or else. Um, okay, well, should we say hi? Hi. Hi. Hello. <laughs> so we're chatting about creative spaces. I think about so many things when I think about creative spaces. But tell me first what you think about. What floods uh, into your brain? Rebecca Ross. Oh, my God, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, her office and aesthetic and all the things is phenomenal. Plus, she's so nice. She is. She's a whole cool vibe all wrapped up in one amazing person yeah so like physical spaces I think that's interesting but also like when I think about the term creative space I also think about like kind of engaging all of your senses so the way that people write and I think we have mentioned before like bringing in the music the candles and all those kinds of things but my creative space for example has to always be in a very specific state for me to be productive and I also find that it's kind of fun that I can work like that for big chunks of time. And then when I get stuck, if I just move to a different space, which has absolutely nothing to do with the way that I usually work, then it kind of jars something in my mind that allows me to unblock whatever is blocking my process. It's like my whole being gets shaken up a little bit and I'm able to, like something gets shook loose, shaken loose. I Shooketh. It has been shooketh. <laughs> I'm curious, do you have an office in your house where you write or where do you find you write the most? Or like, do you go to a coffee shop? I love to people watch, but I can can write certain in certain stages in a coffee shop, but I really need to be able to kind of sink into my mind. And I find that depending on where I am in a story, sometimes I just really need quiet. And then I also, (laughs) this is going to sound silly, but on a practical level, if I drink anything, like I can't, like I don't want to be in a coffee shop where I can't leave my laptop. Like just, I then have to not be <laughs> in a space where like, I like to work by myself. So unless I'm in a coffee shop with people who can watch my stuff, that doesn't really work for me. Usually I work, uh, I have like a little corner in my bedroom, which is my office space. Uh, we do have an office at home, but my partner works at home most days of the week and is in teams calls all day and that's very distracting so we can't share the office space and when we moved in actually that was in my mind that was going to be the library and I'd like organized it to be the library and then realized that there was no way it was going to work for us to work in the same space so I have my little corner here and I set it up uh on feng shui principles I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly like energy flow and it actually does make me feel better which we can talk about if you want I don't know if you do the same kind of thing or if I'm just my odd self I'd love to know I mean my desk is in my bedroom but I don't always work here like I often work at my dining room table or I sit on the couch we have a small house with five people so it's not like we I would love to have a library right one day maybe next house but yeah I'd love to hear about your energy flow and how you implemented that. 
So there's some really good guidelines on the internet, which are going to be much better than what I'm going to describe here. But the basic principle of it is to set up your desk in your workspace in a place like a position of power. So like mine, for example, my back is to the wall, even though aesthetically, it's very nice to have your desk up against a wall and have your like laptop facing out. What I do is I have my back to the wall and then I'm looking, I can see the whole room from where I'm sitting, which is good. And then I'm diagonally across from the door. So you don't ever want your back to the door because that's actually, and and before I even read about these principles, I did feel kind of icky to have my back to a door or window because I just feel like something is behind me. You know, we were joking before we started recording about being haunted and um, that's why I feel. <laughs> so I can see the door is diagonally across from me and then the windows are like a little bit in front and to the side. And I can see the whole room from where I sit. And then I have, to one side, I have a a small bookshelf, which has just all of the stuff that I need for whatever I'm working on now. And then I have a a bigger bookshelf, which is out on the landing. And that helps me keep my actual desk space clear because I can't function if I have lots of things like piled up around. And I used to, I used to have all the piles of books and then feel all very, you know, in the movies where everybody's like working really hard at a thing and they've got all these piles of papers everywhere. But actually that only works in my mind. And when I try to do that in practice, it feels so awful. And so I just have to like shift everything onto the bookshelf and have a clear desk. And then that really helps me. I just like pull all the cables up and tie them around the leg of the desk. So everything looks really neat. And when I'm done working, I shut my laptop so it doesn't look horrible to walk around the other side of the desk and have like cables from the from screens or anything up. So I don't have a separate monitor on the table, which would look funky from the other side, which to me is important, even though it sounds very silly, but that's what I do. And then I have like little things that make me happy, like my favorite mug and like my keyboard, which is very aesthetically pleasing. Yeah. I also have my snack. I have a snack basket. <laughs> uh, that that makes me happy. But so that's the principle of, uh, for workspaces, the principle of Feng Shui is to be in a position of power in the room, have your back to a space that isn't, doesn't feel like anything's kind of encroaching on you, be diagonally across from the door and... Yes. And then you don't want to be like looking into a mirror, those kinds of things. You have to position your stuff well and don't have like cacti in those spaces. Um, You can have things like money trees or like specific plants and stuff that are really good for certain types of energy. And I don't have any plants up here. It's my bedroom is in an attic which is very warm so I do have a writing plant which is named Dollar Dark and she used to live up here with me and she's very cool but she um she didn't like the heat so I had to take her downstairs and I'm a bit sad for her so did I did I name her you did you named her I did name her yeah I did that's so cute (laughs) (laughs) she's been around she has what works for you in your workspace oh gosh right now I just live in trash which is you know it's hard (laughs) so not much right now (laughs) um I I do have like a area upstairs um I'm also in an attic area so I totally just sweat buckets uh during the summer but I do have a work area my back is to the door so I'm not powerful but I know I was thinking about this I mean technically I don't really have a door I don't know (laughs) but I was thinking like should I move my desk I I would like to be powerful though seems to be important (laughs) but yeah I uh I often work up here but I also work 
downstairs at the kitchen table a lot. I quite like it over there because um, I have a bench that I like to sit on and um, my dog sits next to me and I like that a lot. But yeah, other than just basically writing in trash right now because I've just there's so much going on it's I think it can be challenging to take care of one's space especially if you're not like a naturally neat sort of person um Gabby you might be one of my cleaner sorts of friends I think it would be good if we never lived together I think it would ruin our friendship (laughs) but but yeah, so um, I actually was thinking, I was like, gosh, maybe I should clean it up here. I would probably like life better. But anyway, that seems like a lot of work because there's so much to do. Yeah. So I, I mostly write up here or downstairs. And I'm pretty well known, I think, to be a morning writer, which I like working when like the sun feels pretty lazy in the sky, you know, like I just like very specifically like like those couple hours is like just my brain just does so many fantastic things and then the rest of the day it feels pretty soupy so yeah the price of genius I always like writing looking out of a window and my desk is actually well mostly because this is the only spot in our bedroom where I could put a desk it's under a window so when it's raining outside because it rains a lot where I live it's really moody, very atmospheric, and I'm looking at the rain, I'm looking at the trees. In our dining room as well, I will face the sliding door that looks outside. And then if I'm in my living room, I also face the window. So I've never actually thought about that, about doing that on purpose, but I do do that. I always like to look out the window, I guess it's daydreaming, right? But I do like to work at home. I don't really go to coffee shops, but I think that's because I've only had all three kids in school for a very short amount of time. And I would write like during preschool hours or during nap time or something. So I had to, you know, really use the time that I had. And it would just, the travel time to a coffee shop would encroach in that time. So it's sort of like, do I want to go somewhere atmospheric or do I just want to get this done and get as much time as I can? So I've sort of trained myself to do that. But I remember when I was in university and writing papers, I would go to the library at school and I would make myself work because I'm like, if I'm here, I have to be working because if I'm not working, then I might as well be at home or I might as well be with a friend or whatever. So that was when I had deadlines, you know, or multiple lab reports or whatever. And I found that helpful. I'm not sure if I would do that with like our public library or anything like that, but maybe I should look into finding a spot like that for when the school year starts again. I don't know if you've ever seen these locks for your laptop. Mm. They go into the USB port and then you can like loop it around a table and then you go do stuff. So I had one of those ones and then it got stuck and it wouldn't come out of my laptop. And I was was doing my PhD at the time. No, I was doing my master's. And I had to go and find somebody in a workshop to come and like get it off. And then he cut the cable with these massive cutters, which like that's always a thing. Like people could cut the cable. Um, But who's going to be carrying massive cutters around in library? I don't know. know. And then he had to go and take my laptop into the workshop and like clamp it to this vice like as carefully as possible to get the thing out of the the USB. And I I don't know, it wasn't even like the USB. I don't even remember. It 
what the port looked like but it was just I was like my laptop is gonna be so terribly smashed up after this and like it was it was a bit scratched up and he, he got it out eventually it was really kind and helped me but I was so terrified after that that I would be just like this is the one thing all my work is on and obviously I had it backed up in other places but if that broke I wouldn't have another machine to work on so I haven't tried one of those again yeah that's uh I mean a heart attack I suppose it sounds like (laughs) um yeah I was working on some stuff downstairs um and I guess I didn't mention my couch but sometimes I'm on my couch too and I was hanging out there I also had like a bunch of wedding stuff out and so I was in the process of moving things and then my dog got activated by just a normal noise outside and then so she flew and like jumped on my laptop and it was all fine but my partner was like is it broken you know it was like I don't even want to look like <laughs> so yeah I don't know I do think that working at a desk can be pretty beneficial at home because a I guess you spend less money b you don't get your laptop like trapped and locked I don't know and then your dog doesn't stomp on it if you're at a desk I do wonder about what it's like in different countries because I know in some places there are like shared workspaces where you can go which are like work cafes that are specifically for like you go in you plug in your stuff and then like you can kind of lock it up in a way that is safe but I don't know if anywhere I am and none of the places that I've lived in the past have had those that I can think of Um, places that I've visited for short times have I've seen them in Japan which like they have, they have really cool work setups for things. But I wonder if people have workspaces that they, you kind of share, but with strangers, because I feel like if I know the person and they want to talk to me, I would never not talk to them, but also that I wouldn't get work done in the way that I want to. And that kind of like, there's that fine balance of trying to get all the things done that you need to do, but also like, you know, being a human being. How do we always circle back to this? It's very thematic for us. <laughs> We're always concerned with how human we are. Am I human enough? Have I done it right? Oh my gosh. No, the problem is I think being too human. Like that's, I feel it so acutely all the time. Why can't I be godly? You know, I always wonder like if we lived close to each other, we probably wouldn't get very much done. Would we? <laughs> because... We wouldn't be able to be in the coffee shop together and finish our books. No, we need to all be together. I think so. I want in-person friends. What is that like? I don't know. What is that like? Anyone? Anyone have friends in real life? (laughs) I don't have writing friends in real life. I used to have friends in real life, like back in um, college and stuff. They actually are writing friends, but they don't live here anymore. So, um, yeah, it's like all my friendships are conducted over the internet, which feels like I always feel like I'm a late bloomer with that, which is kind of funny because I feel like that was the thing like in high school and stuff or middle school. It's like you had internet friends and now I'm almost 30. I found my first gray hair. Yeah. Anyway. Welcome. I have about <laughs> 500. <laughs> How are you yeah. celebrating this occasion? Oh, I was excited about it. I um I made Roy take a picture of it and I sent it to my mom. 
I've had gray hair since I was like 12 or 13. So Really? Yeah. My mom's family, they go gray really, really young. But they don't get very many wrinkles. So I'm hoping that I have kind of gotten that gene. I don't know. We'll see. I, I got the go gray early gene <laughs> for sure. I even has have I even has. Oh my god. I even have a cousin who was born with like a patch of gray hair as her birthmark, which I always thought was the coolest thing. And I was like, why don't I have that? Okay, that is really cool. I feel like that's one of those things that as an adult, like people are like, that's cool. And then kids would be like terrible about it. Yeah, growing into what makes you unique, right? Because when you're young, you you just want to fit in. You don't want to be different. You guys feel like you grow into your workspaces or they kind of change with you as you grow? Do you mean like the amount of trash? Yes, my raccoon. No, man. <laughs> the amount of trash. Okay, we shall make it personal to you. Yeah, I mean, I think with that um, in mind, like mine definitely grows with me. Like there's just trash around me. The more I progress into my book, I cannot wait for it to come out because then I feel like I can get my life together. <laughs> It comes out October 19th for our listeners. It's called Lady of Roses and Ruin, and it is great. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it is. It is super great. Courtney's dying there. Anyways. Like burying anyways. herself in the trash now. Anyways. Yeah. <laughs> I am. Anyway, um, so you're not a raccoon. Does your um space grow in a different way with you? It does. I... Like with my little shelf, which is very new actually, what I have on it changes up in terms of like the research books and stuff, what I'm writing currently. And that's mainly just because I don't have the space to have a big everything in around me all the time. And then I kind of need to feel a certain way when I write a story. So if I'm writing a different story or if I'm in a different stage of writing a story, I need to change things up a bit. And sometimes that's like a really simple thing. Sometimes it's literally like I have a different pen on my table. I drink from a different mug. And other times it'll really be like I need to physically move something big in the room or I need to put up a like a picture or a poster or a, a note board with stuff that looks very different. Like everything is just very, for me, very visually driven. And music does help me as well but not so much while I'm writing. It's either like kind of the in-between spaces for me. I feel like I've become more of a minimalist as I have grown up just because having children, I feel like stuff just multiplies. And the most I need for writing is my laptop and then like a wireless mouse because the keypad, it's annoying. And I need my phone with my AirPods so I can listen to music because I do need music when I'm writing. I can't I can't listen to music when I'm reading or reading for other people. But with my own writing, I need music. And then if I'm doing revisions, I need the emotion thesaurus. That's like it. That's what I that's what I use all the time for like visual stuff. Then then it would be Pinterest or yeah, Spotify, I guess, is what I really need. But and a timer the the 25 minute sprints I just use my phone but I find that really helps my brain focus um because I'm like yeah I can do it I'm almost there check my word count okay like you have 10 more minutes you can do it and then you can take five minutes and check your social media or whatever right but yeah I 
I find I can write anywhere. Like when we go on vacation or just local trips, I'll have my have my backpack and then that's what I put in. I put in the laptop, my mouse, my headphones, my phone, and the motion thesaurus. That's on my checklist of things I have to bring. Okay, who else is a bit of a Sheldon when you move around? You guys do this? I Like whenever I need to move out of the space. So because I write in my bedroom, my partner goes to bed at a certain, like I'm a night owl and I really like to write at night. And when he goes to bed, it's like 10 p.m. I'm like, no, I've just woken up. So I have to move and write somewhere else. But then I'll take my laptop and I'll like sit down in a place and feel how I feel in that space before I actually can do anything. And if it doesn't feel good, I have to move. And sometimes I'll have to like change to a different chair or like move stuff around on the table. Courtney's laughing at me. Do you guys do that? Or like if we go somewhere and I'm like in a cabin or whatever, I'll like move the furniture around or I'll shift stuff until I feel like, oh, this is a good spot. And then that'll be my spot. And woe betide anyone who steals it. I feel like you are such a specific person. You're very sensitive to energy, I think, and finding the right energy. I just write wherever, where my children are not. I could just crawl into a dumpster and write. It's funny because I used to be able to, like when I only had little snippets, and I mean like really I have like five minutes or ten minutes, I used to just be able to like completely shut off everything and just do like whatever I needed to do. But I can I can still do that, but only if I'm draft, like fast drafting. But when it comes to having to sit and think, and then I have to look up, look around and be present in a different way, then I can't do it. Because I feel like fast drafting requires me to be buried so deep in my head that it doesn't matter what's going on around me. And then in different, when I move out of that phase of story, I can't do it. I can't do that. I, um, no, you know, we have talked before about kind of, um, help like methods that help out with that. Like, you know, just, uh, training your brain basically to accept these cues and that those are your writing cues, you know, and I don't normally listen to music, but sometimes I do, I do have a playlist, uh, for my book that I've been listening to, which does have words to it, which is even more unusual for me. Um, I like, I will like listen to that if I'm like, just like out in the world and just want to be like vibing with my story but not I'm not writing um I do that a lot but I also like to listen to like instrumental stuff and like I have a couple that I will you know if I need to write like a fight scene or it's like just like the the tension in the music I will put that on repeat while I write I you know most of the time I I don't um I will actually just put like my headphones on but I won't even have anything in there um it just kind of like blocks a little bit more ambient noise. I do that sometimes too. Yeah. And one thing I have been thinking about doing is my phone has been just so distracting to me. And Nadine, when you were talking um, about the Pomodoro technique, which is the 25 minute, you know, sort of break, you know, whatever sort of thing doing in like sprints, I really I'm trying to get away from my phone and I was thinking about actually just getting a little timer for my desk you should get a timer I should get a timer but I do listen to music but then every time I try to open my phone I see the timer because my phone is doing the timer so I'm like okay can't can't do that mm-hmm. yeah what about Spotify on your computer though well my computer is really old so I can't do too many things at once 
and my AirPods, I have never tried to actually hook up to my mm. computer because it's slow. So I just hook that up to my phone. Do you guys ever write on your phone? I have. It just depends. I can't, I can't, where I'm at right now in revision, I can't do that really. You know, just, it just doesn't really work. It's really clunky for me. But if I'm just like, if I'm fast drafting kind of in that space where I want to basically always be working on it, I, um, I have some note apps and stuff. I mean, I prefer to write on my computer for it, but when I'm just out and about, I do that. And then I, um, I have like a whole list of random fun things in my phone that I will write in. So I do. And it really just depends on what state I'm in and what state my draft is in. I do like when I'm laying in bed and trying to fall asleep, which is always problematic for me, then my brain just comes alive. And I don't want to get up and get the laptop and put everything down, mostly because I don't want to wake my partner, because actually, I probably would be very productive if I just got up and did it. Uh, But then I'll put it on my phone. And it will be partly problematic in the morning because usually my dictionary just corrects things to rubbish that I then don't understand but I don't catch it when I'm doing that when I'm yeah it's it. it's ducking awful <laughs> exactly and then the other thing that I have done before um, like when I've been really sick like COVID type stuff or like you know looking after sick family or whatever it means that I can't get to my laptop and work in my space as I usually could. And what I do then is I'll have a list of revision things that I need to do. And I'll just copy that list into an email draft. And I always do it on email. I never use a note app because then I can access my email from wherever. And then I, underneath those headings, like if it's something where I need to deepen something or write a few lines of dialogue or whatever it is, I'll just draft those in there. And then I'll add notes to myself of where to put it and how to streamline it so that when I come back to my draft, when I can actually sit down at my laptop, I have done that before. I can just kind of plug it in and then it works really well because I feel like I've done a lot of the heavy lifting and it didn't feel like heavy lifting because I wasn't sitting with this laptop and down at my table and it it wasn't all serious. It was just like, oh, I have five minutes now between fevers. Let me see what I can do. Pick a thing, do the thing. And then when it all came together there was a list of stuff that was done. So I've done that a few times as well. See, that's a time I wouldn't be writing. I would be like crying and watching like Shit's Creek. I did try to cry the other day because I was sad. Gabby, try to cry. Oh, so I made oh. a playlist and it was like, I don't remember what I called it. It was like lying on the floor or something. I don't know what it was called. Um, and... It didn't work, which made me even more sad. <laughs> Is it more sad or sadder? Um, anyway. Either. I and think then, it's fine. Yeah. So I was like, oh, I need a new show because Grey's Anatomy is always really good for me mm. to cry. Yeah. But uh, it didn't work. Gosh, how to induce a cry. It is good for you. It just felt, it felt so on brand for you to be like, I was trying to cry. <laughs> like, I'm progressing. You are. You're doing great. I'm proud of you. Always. Thank you. you. I appreciate that. Well, you know, we talk so much and we share like so much of our writing, but I'm still learning so much from you guys just in this conversation. I didn't realize how much I didn't know about your actual process until we started talking about it. I don't know about my process until then. Uh, (laughs) Yes. Tell me about it, Nadine. (laughs)
Can you teach me? Or or like, I need music. And you guys are like, I need silence. I'm like, well, my brain doesn't like silence. I can't make things up without like the feeling of the music behind it. So it's just really interesting to see how something can be so strong for like me or any writer and complete opposite for someone else. My brain like snags on to like words that can be said sometimes like even in the music and like it just depends on what it is because sometimes it's like perfect you know and like I'm I'm good like on my playlist right now the arsonist lullaby is on there and there's like I'm just like ugh like there's this line about like always keep like keeping your demons on a leash basically I'm like it's so good anyway yeah I mean mostly I I I am uh, a no words kind of gal while I'm wording I also cannot do words when I'm writing, but I will say I loved what you said earlier about writing fight scenes and listening to instrumental stuff with the beats, because that is a very, very cool way to get your rhythm in sync with the pattern of your words and your sentences. And it happens also on a fairly subconscious level. Like you might be aware of it when you're doing it, but sometimes you're not. And that's very cool when that happens because you can actually, like this has happened to me before where I'll listen to something. I can do instrumental, especially things like fight scenes where it's really fast paced and the beats come hard at certain points. And if I write to those and then I put it away for a while and I come back and I read it, I can feel the music in that, which is really cool. And I've had before where I've shared a piece with somebody, not said anything about it. And they were like, it reminds me of the song. Which, like, it wasn't a song with words. It was just the music. And I was like, oh, that is so cool. There's something in there that kind of wove its way in. And I think that's really magical. I love that. I think that's really cool. Um, there's uh, there's two songs that I um, I play a lot. Um, Run by, uh, I might butcher this, but Ludovico uh, Inaldi. Um, that I find it works for like a lot of different things, at least for me personally, like I really enjoy listening to that. And then I have like a spooky vibey house moving castle theme song I found that I really enjoy. So I listen to those quite a bit, actually. I love that haunted vibes. My favorite, um, since we're sharing favorites, uh, instrumental is On the Nature of Daylight by Max Richter. And I have another one which hmm, I'm trying to remember the name of. It's on one of my playlists and I have to look for it. I think it's the Cinematic Orchestra. And it's something to do with birds. And I'm going to look it up and put it in the show notes because I don't remember what it's called, but I love it. I just favorited that song you mentioned. It's a whole, it's a, it's a whole album, right? There is an album, oh. but the actual song on there is on the nature of daylight. Okay. The one that I, that I listened to on repeat. Okay, yes, JK, I see it now. Oh, and it's like over six minutes, which that's always nice. I like listening to movie scores. I do like, I, most of the songs I listen to have words, but if it's a fight scene, then I often go to like the Viking soundtrack or um, yeah, those sorts of, you know, high intensity soundtracks. I'm trying to think of the other one. The Last Kingdom also has a good soundtrack for anyone writing fight scenes in fantasy. Yeah. That's really clever, especially if you write cinematically to go and look at cinematic things and see what kind of music they lean into. And I do think when you're watching a show, the music is what really pulls a lot together. There's so many cool ways to create atmosphere. You know what that reminds me of? What? 
snacks. <laughs> what a nice segue. Wow. Look at that. <laughs> What's your snack? I did try to do what I thought might be a spicy hope recipe. I don't know if I'm going to recommend it. <laughs> so we try, we fail, we try again. Um, I don't think it was my fault. Like the recipe, Roy said he liked it. So, okay, I guess for context, there is this ramen uh, restaurant in this area. There Actually, there's uh, several pockets of the universe that have the restaurant Jinya, which is, it's so good. I get their spicy, it's like spicy, creamy, vegan ramen, I think is what it's called. And it it is pretty much says what you need to know about it. And I was kind of going for like, oh, like hope, like feels like creamy and comforting and delish. And then like spice, (laughs) self-explanatory. You know, and uh, so anyway, I was like, "Oh, that, that's that's like that would be perfect." Uh, basically, get this ramen from Jinya, and I don't live anywhere really near Jinya. Like an- when we go visit family up north, we go, and it's so good. Special shout out to their tempura fried Brussels sprouts, so good. Anyway, um, I found a copycat recipe online of this ramen, and I was quite excited about it, and. I don't think I liked it. <laughs> so I tried. I tried. I like I got like this like chili oil. I got like a um a black garlic oil for it. And like it um I like sauteed onions and garlic and then there was a tahini in it actually, which I don't know. Like I was like, oh, I could vibe with this. And it's just something about it. It just didn't quite come together for me. And it's just one of those things. I just need to go to Jinya. <laughs> so anyway, I, have a book I, I tried. I'm gonna share with you. Oh, yeah. I one. like you know, I actually um I like books. Oh, really? How'd you know? I don't I just I don't know. It just came to me now. Um, it's called the flavor thesaurus and you're like it does i'm too lazy to go find it now <laughs> like somewhere in the house it, it it has sprayed edges which is beside the point but it's pretty and it's got like these flavor wheels and stuff in it and then you can look up a seasoning or uh, like any ingredient any ingredient it doesn't have to be a seasoning it can be like whatever pick a thing and see what flavors fit with it so that if you're thinking about doing something, you can also put unusual flavors together, which is, I love it because you kind of, there's like the common flavors that fit together and they fit together because they work well. And so people use them commonly, but then there's some things you just wouldn't think to use and it makes the combination so good. Um, so I will share that with you uh, and I will put a link for that somewhere or at least uh, name the book so people can find it if they I, would like to buy it. I also feel like you could probably use that for writing. You could. You could also for things like just like the senses and getting people to kind of put those together as they're reading, I think is fun. Can yes. you look up eggplant for me? Because I have a bunch of eggplant in my fridge I can. that I need to cook. <laughs> I will look it up and I will take a picture for you and then you can see what it fits with. I'll send you. So the, the cookbook that has the buffalo cauliflower dip recipe um, there's, uh, this, um, recipe in there for like these eggplant fries. I am not crazy about like the sauce that, you know, is suggested for it, but the actual eggplant fries, they're really good. 
Also, I feel like you just slapped some slut dust on that and called it a day. <laughs> Is that our new saying? Slap some slut dust on it. I really like all the S's in there. So, you would. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm on brand. Tell me. Snacks. Um, I don't know if mine really counts as a snack, but it took me a long time to make, so I'm just going to make my snack. Um, it was part of a meal, and I caramelized these onions in a way that I haven't done before, which came out really nice. And I put them in a little bit of olive oil and then some tea-infused salt. It was rooibos salt, which normally I don't drink rooibos tea, but the salt is just really nice for flavoring things. And I used uh, the ginger honey, which I've mentioned on here before, which is really just honey and like the juice of the ginger that's mixed into it. So it's really creamy. And then I cooked it really, really, really low for two hours and you have to go back and stir it and like you know make sure it's getting all even and stuff it came out so flavorful and so good it was really yummy uh so we ate it with like home-baked bread and it was like part of a bunch of stuff that was on the table but that was my favorite thing i'm mad i'm mad i want that i'll make it for you gosh that sounds so good I was also, I was thinking that kind of feels a little spicy hopish, like honey and ginger. <laughs> I was thinking that kind of has a vibe. I also, I, I really want to do with the onions, yeah, because they get sweet with the honey, and the, but they also have that nice kind of obami flavor. I have done onions with rose water before, which was really nice. And I wanted to do, I wanted to do a combination with chili, but I thought that the flavor profile was going to be a little bit off there because you have to get the balance right with the sweet and the chili and then there were so many other things on the table I didn't think it was going to fit but I want to get that going and figure out how to do a good like chili balance with the onions you know that's my snack I wonder about using because um, I haven't cooked with chili oil before and so um, that was actually really nice Um, I did like that and it, it didn't feel like it just felt like the heat you know rather than like a lot of um chili I flavor it, i think it depends on the chili oil because i have had chili oil before that's really really st- and i like strong like really spicy things so i tend to overdo it a lot with the chili i've never bought them i've never had a mild chili ever because i don't know what that like i would be like what's the point <laughs> <laughs> so i should i should look that up i look into that but um yeah just i shall think about it for this now Oh gosh. Dun, 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 dun. I feel like some goat cheese with that would be delicious too. Ooh. Uh, yeah. I do miss cheese. There's a good vegan cheese. Yeah, I, I was just thinking that like one mm-hmm. is very good. Yeah. And I think that the the it's the feta one you're talking about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um I, I feel like that to me anyway, it's pretty I mean, it's not goat cheese, but it for me it reminds me of goat cheese mm. um so that that would be a great suggestion i think um too you know what's dairy. really good is a goat cheese pizza with uh rose water caramelized onions i have made that before when i eat cheese that is really nice well can you come make me that but make it when we can eat i will try my very best okay yeah you're gonna do it nadine what's your snack so we had cousin sleepover at our place and we just went and got these little ice creams. They came in like a snack size, so they were like perfect. But I had a pistachio ice cream, but it was dipped in dark chocolate. And it was just so yummy because I never really buy ice cream. I don't know. I don't really eat ice cream anymore. But it was just a 
little taste of delight. And so that was my snack this weekend. I feel like we all had good snacks. Well, Courtney was skeptical about her snack. Yeah. It I mean, it sounded elaborate. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> just leave it like that. <laughs> she likes the one from the store. We can. We yeah, can yeah the that. restaurant one. We just pretend I had that. Okay. That works. And, and the Brussels sprouts. Oh, they're so good. You know, people keep trying to convince me that Brussels sprouts can be good. But okay. I just never had good Brussels sprouts. Are you going to make me good Dude. Brussels sprouts? I mean, I don't make them, but like anything fried is freaking awesome. <laughs> I don't know about that. Oh my gosh, whatever. Get out. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, um, Gabby's wrong. Be brave. Stay weasley. And uh, find what feeds your energy. 